thought I was done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kicking It. Hey. Already, we have cut Moa Do. No show. He's working for too many companies, too many <laughs> networks. <laughs> it is what it is. You ask, if you cut him, what, what network does he believe? Multicolored. <laughs> He's got a bit yeah. of this, a bit of that. He's all over the place. <laughs> We're going to be all right without him. We've got to make it work. He's yeah. missing out. He's missing out. No guest today, Next though. man up. You know, just like when we played. Next oh, man next up. Man well, who's up. the next man? We don't have him a next man up. So, listeners, it turns out I was wrong, and we did have a guest. Our producers initially told us that we'd be running solo for the first episode, only to hit us with a curveball at the very last minute. What you hear next is my genuine surprise at seeing a living legend of the global game walk onto set to hang out with me, Clint, and Charlie. So sit back and enjoy the first of a two-part conversation with a man who needs no introduction, our friend and Paramount Plus colleague, Mr. Thierry Henry. Um, okay, so let's start by talking about U.S. men's national team players, right? Um, it feels like, uh, obviously, we've had some, like, important moves. What? Nothing. It's important moves. And important we've moves. Had some, what? Important moves about what? For U.S. men's national team players over the transfer window, so you've got Christian Pulisic, who's going to AC Milan. You've got Tim Weyer, who's going to Juventus. Can I borrow a book? You're not supposed to be here, were you? I'm not supposed to be here. Hey, so wait, though, can we figure out what happened here? You are on vacation in the Hamptons, chilling, and you just decided to come say what's up. Yeah, because you guys are good people. So family is family, so you're part of the family. Hey, thanks, hey. family. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, I mean, I don't do stuff that I don't want to do. So you guys are cool. Obviously, I've been asked to do it. It wasn't a, a problem. I was around. and. But mainly it's because you guys are cool and we're going to talk about football. So, I mean, it's, it's a double bill for me. So, okay, so we were about to talk about uh, the U.S. men's national team players, Christian Pulisic, we were talking about going to AC Milan. <laughs> How do you, what's the, what does the noise mean? No, no, not annoying. No, I what just, does the noise mean? Uh, I was wondering mean, what that sorry, meant, what is the reaction? Uh, no, because we're going to have to talk about him again, which I understand. Uh, but, you tired of talking about him? No, 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 no. But you cannot repeat the same thing. And I always said at one point he needs to show us what he, what he can do. Then we can talk about different stuff. And I can see, I had a discussion with, uh, with Pete actually the other day, if I can mention him. I can see that in a national team, he's allowed to make mistakes. So therefore, if you're allowed to make mistakes, you'll try. When you are in an environment where you feel like you cannot make mistakes, you're not going to try th that dribble or that volley. Because you know if you, if you miss that volley, you have an hour because you're in a big club. If you don't score at halftime already, people are like, mm, you're not starting, you don't score before halftime. So you play safe, you get the ball, you pass it back. Which as a creative player, if you don't try to make mistakes, then therefore you cannot succeed. I can see the national team, it feels like I can make mistakes. Right? So therefore, out of 20 mistakes, if you succeed two times, it's a goal and an assist. People forget your mistakes. When you play in a big club, you take the ball one time, mistake. 
And the next time you touch it is 15 minutes after. People remember that every time you touch the ball, you lost it. In the national team, he plays with that confidence. I mean, we, all, we were all creative players here, so you have to score. So if you feel in your head that I can't lose that ball, you might as well step, up, step out. Just step out of the field and don't play because if you don't want to make mistakes, and the, the, best, the best thing I would say that recently I understood is it's okay to make mistakes, which is sometimes, you understand there is, a, there is a, an in-between thing where, you know, it, it, sometimes you're so scared to make mistakes that you don't pass that line. And I think that's where he was at times at Chelsea. I would say it's certain mistakes. It's the mistakes, if he takes risks in the right parts of the field, you say, okay. But in his mindset with the national team, sometimes he takes those risks closer to his own goal. Or he, he takes it in a un, an inopportune space where a defender can lay him, lay him out and then he's injured. And then he's got to back, battle back to fitness. In a club like Chelsea, you have so many players, you have depth. Whereas at, at a Milan, there's a big drop off after a player 12, 13, 14, where he might have that, com that comfort to know, well, no one's really pushing underneath me. If Pioli comes out and says, I want you as my, either it's a 10 or a winger, there's a big difference as, oh, we're buying you, now you're added depth. And if you take your chance, you take your chance. But if you don't at a club like Chelsea, it's, it's hard to find your, your balance within the squad. I mean, you guys know that for a fact. You know, I, I, I give you mine. If he, he, at one point, if, he, if I wanted to play at Arsenal, I had to put Dennis Burke and Marco Vermaals or Nyanko Kani on the bench. And I know I had one out. <laughs> because if not, you're out. However, you want to look at it, it's 90 minutes, but it's not 90 minutes. This is what starts to creep in you when you know, you're like, you look and the boss signs Dennis Bergkamp or Nyanko Kanu or Marco Vermaals or Sylvain Wiltor or whoever, or in a national team, I'm not going to or any team. And you're like, uh, that's me soon. You don't play it the same way. You feel like when you get that ball, you need to do something now. Suddenly you don't see the game the same way. Suddenly you don't, you don't play the same way. Suddenly you rush things instead of being, okay, I made one mistake, no problem. You look, okay, I'm, I'm staying on that field. When you have that confidence, that's when you go above and beyond. And, and yes, obviously the quality of the players, again, not having a goal at Milan, but when you play at a certain club and you feel you can do something, and that's when you start to, you're like, you volley the ball because you volley that ball. Like, if you were in a big club, maybe you don't volley that ball that early in your career, and, but you need to pass that. You need to earn that right also. And it goes with the, you can make mistakes. You know that thing that you were talking about, the ability to maintain playing with freedom, though? Is that like very much based on character? Because you you know, you've told us that stories about when you weren't starting, right? And, and the way that you reacted to, to not being started at Fulham, for example, right? Yeah. Like you felt like, what the heck? Like I deserve to be starting, you guys are making a mistake. So is it very much a character thing, whether it affects you in that way that Terry was talking about? I think some people it affects them, but at the same time, the way I look at it was shit. If I'm, if I'm not playing and then I get my chance to play, let me do the shit that I wanted to do because otherwise I want to fail playing the way I love to play the game than trying to be what somebody else wants me to be, right? So when I'm complaining about not getting time to be on the field, well, go out there and show them. So I have to go out there and show them. So I'm going to empty the clip. I'm going to shoot the ball. I'm going to try to get goals. I'm going to try to get assists. I'm going to try to make an impact. And then, like he says, you fight for more minutes, you get out there, and the more quality that you have on your team, it's more difficult to stay in that lineup week in and week out, especially with injuries. 
I've always been a player who tried to make everyone around me know that I, I'm the truth. Like, I'm a baller. Like, no matter in what scenario, what circumstance, I wanted the coach to say, if we we're playing two strikers, one striker, whatever the scenario, we're going to play high press, we're going to sit back, that I could fit into any coaching scheme or scenario. And that was my, my mentality. Is when I went to, to Europe, it was Sweden. It was a lower league, but it was a good step for me to build myself up. And when I went to Liga, right away, I felt that my first training session, everyone was assessing me, every touch, every movement. And you have, I, I knew I had to prove myself right then and there to say, I'm, I'm one of you guys, I'm a, real, I'm, I'm a real one. And I got that moment of training where I ISO'd somebody 1v1, did it and scored. And I felt that moment, everyone went, ah, okay. He, he's, he's, he's got it. So I think for Christian, he's, he's, he's feeling that the expectations are high from Americans. And he had a few good seasons, a, a few good moments in the Premier League, but it's consistency that, that is needed to reach that next level. It, it, it all depends on how you, where you are mentally as a player and, and what you can do. I, I think sometimes a certain style that fits a certain you know, league. So back in the days, if you were a, a not a old school number nine, shall I say, it was better, I think, for you to be in Italy because it was accepted that that number nine will be the plus guy. He doesn't have to run too much, but score goals. You know, in England, it's different. You have to flip the ball, you have to run into the channel, you have to give. It's different in, in different leagues. I just think, for me, that it's not only a matter of league, it's a matter of who you are and what you want to do. And having the confidence of expressing yourself, and it goes to what I said before, and I know it sounds stupid and everything, but don't be scared to make mistakes. That's, why, that's what stops a lot of players. If you, if you don't try to make mistakes, then you, you'll never succeed. And like, I will give you the goal against Man United. So many times people said, why did you do that? Because I knew at Ibury I could do what the fuck I wanted. So turning point for me at Arsenal was we beat Middlesbrough, I think, 5-0. If I remember well, Canu scored, no, not Canu scored one, Dennis Bergkamp scored two, Ovama scored two, something like that. I stayed on the bench, didn't come on. This is your first season? Yeah, stayed on the bench, didn't come on. Dennis Bergkamp. Davos Sucker was also on the, oh, I think Sucker came on and scored, whatever, 5-0. Mm -hmm. Davos Sucker, Yango Canu, Dennis Bergkamp, Mark Overmars. And I didn't come on. And we won 5 0. So I'm like, uh, yeah, what am I supposed to do with that one? I always remember when back in the dressing room, nobody looked at me. You know how it is. Nobody cared. We won. Nobody cared about me. You didn't participate. You can't make a swing. What, I sh what shall I care about you? People only care about you when you can. It's, it's a team sport. And fortunately, you know, and I know you can, you know, we can win together. I'm going to help you. If not, they don't look at you. And back in the dressing room, I had to go back to St. Albans. So I looked at them, I was like, man, I didn't even play. How am I going to ask anyone to bring me back to that hotel that I'm supposed to be back when they all live in London? So I went out. I don't know if you know, library. I went out straight in the street on Alvinor Road. I had my Arsenal tracksuit with my bag. And I went to the, to the subway to go to take the times. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and I went back to St. Albans. <laughs> you took the subway back? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did at the time. 
Like, it looked like I was a fan. Did, mm. anyone, did anyone say anything to you at that People time? were like looking at me, but it looked like I was a fan to be fair, and I was rubbish anyway, so I wasn't playing well. I wasn't, I wasn't there. We just won five, you know, they didn't see my name on the, on the board. I wasn't, you know, I didn't do anything yet. Anyway, I go back, I'm on the train, I'm thinking, how can I play? Like, how, how can I play? How am I going to put Dennis Bergkamp Nyango Kanu, Davos Shuka, or whoever on the bench. Like, how? How am I going to, to do that? So I went back home, home to the hotel, wherever I was. And I started to try to beat all of them at everything that they were doing. Everything. So it's Dennis Burkham used to arrive first in training. So this guy won everything already, player of the season. He's there every morning before me. Am I? Am I missing a point? He's doing everything, the drills, he does them to the T. Like, sometime I will fuck around, ball comes, you know, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot. The ninth time you try to flick one, turn around and flick it. Then it's back on control pass, control pass. I'm looking at him, I'm like, okay. Scores a goal. I used to score two and look at him. So then he looks at me back and, I, and he scores, and I have to score. Then, you know, I was trying to match them in everything that they were doing. Then after you have to deliver on the field, you have to take that free kick also away from Dennis Bergkamp. You have to take the penalty away from Dennis Bergkamp. You have to take the keys away from Dennis Bergkamp. How do you do that? From not coming on the field, how do you do that? You never won there. He won. He's got there. How do you move that guy? So, man, I woke up early every morning and I had to show him the best respect I could pay the guy, show him I was better than him every day in training. The way you eat your salad, I'm going to eat that better than you. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the way you walk, I'm going to walk better than you. You look at me, I'm going to look at you better than you look at me. Then he gave me the key. It took a little while, but then he gave me the key. And what, what was that moment? When did you know he gave you the key? Well, you know, you're taking free kicks to nobody. The ball was rolling, nobody goes and get it. Sometimes they used to bring you, they bring you the ball. I know, bring you the ball, ball. But then it took two and a half years, three years. But I was showing him that he could give me the key every day in training. Like he scores one, I said to you, I used to score two. And on, on walking past him, I used to look at him like this. Mm. <laughs> you know, but this is, I always, I always said, besides the freaks, Dennis Bergkamp is the best player that I played with for that. First in training, last, drills, the same way, his vision, the way he used to see the game. It's like, it's, and, he, and he was nasty. That's the thing I used to love about him. He was nasty. Dennis was nasty as hell, elbow in the face, stepping on your foot. It was nasty. I don't know if, if it's right to say that, but I like that part also about him. He used to look after himself. But that's the part. This is why that day when we were on air doing the show, and I said, hey, you got to bring something on the table. Like, you think Dennis Bergkamp's going to help you if you can't help Talking him? Talking about Pulisic again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't play. Like, what do you mean you can't play? Show us something for us to actually debate on something. Not on you're supposed to be the next best guy. Oh, we know that. I think he's, he's, he has all the, the quality in the world. But at one point, get, get, give me something to talk about. And I think for me that that move to go to Milan, to go back to it, is, 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 the, is the right combo because the club is big in, in, in history. 
but you wouldn't say right now is the biggest club in Europe. And I think you will have the time to play, but don't ever forget that Milan is a big club and the fans are demanding. So he's going to have to deal with something else also. You know, in Ch at Chelsea, you lose, you can go and walk around in London. <laughs> Milan, hey, get stuck at the stadium. Woof. It's a different thing. So right. wherever you go, you're going to have to deal with something. The do, fans, the coach. Do you think coach. he has that dog in him that he's going to need to have? You know what, it's kind of, like I said to you, in brackets, I see that fire when he plays for the US. So him at the World Cup, this is why I called what I called and people were, the 1-1 the, the against, against England. Because I don't know why when you guys play, play England, you, you, play with, you, you play England with no fear, with no complex, with no, uh, they, you know, we, we, we're the US, they're bigger than us. Mm. When you play England, I don't know why. I know if you play England in every World Cup, I don't think you will lose once. Why is that? Why do you raise your game? I never understood because why don't you play Brazil and look at them and go like, we can beat those guys. With England, there is a, when you play England, I don't know why. Yeah. I see in the celebration, even the paper, but it, there is a story behind it to say, you know, we, uh, what was the, the, uh, the US won against England 1-1 one, one or something yeah. like that? It says a lot. Why don't you guys sometimes think that you at the level of anyone in the world. When it comes to England, you believe that. You believe that you play those guys, so we, we, we can beat those guys. You're not like, oh, it's going to be tough today, tomorrow, we play Brazil, let's see what can happen. When you play England, that's why I call the 1-1. One, one. And you yeah. played better than them that day. We call it. What did Jamie say? He said they're going to win 3-0. Is the dialogue different though in the dressing room? Is, is, is there a noted difference in atmosphere? I mean, I think that the fact that you have players who played in the Premier League in the, in the last two times we beat them in the World Cup, I can't speak on the one that happened in the past, but there's a familiarity. You know, you've seen these guys, you played against them, you're not scared of them, you know what I mean? But like, when you play against some of these players from like, let's say South America and stuff like that, that are playing in, at Real Madrid, Barcelona, or at, at, you know, the real, the big clubs from, from these other countries, there's a little bit, for some players, there is a little bit more of that fear because of the individual quality of some of those players that can beat you in one-on-one -on -one situations. I just felt like when we played against England, I also feel they play with such a pressure on their shoulders from back home because of the magnifying glass. You know it also because you played there. Yes. So you know it. So I think they're aware of that pressure Whereas like the U.S. is also the underdog, right? And they know that, hey, we go out and match them with the intensity, and if we bring our best, we'll, we'll, we'll be in this game. I just felt like in those games, players would step up because they wanted that opportunity because they knew what it was like to be playing in that country and play against them. So a little bit of the familiarity. That's what I think, I don't know. Is there, is there another U.S. player that you think in your mind could excel at the highest level? I, I just think that it's, it's kind of weird how, look, people always will name individuals, right? Because that's how it is, that's sports. But you win as a team. We, all, we always say that a team, a team has to be good. Like I remember South Korea, I don't know when to go back. And, and you, can, you, you can take Max, Man City to an extent. Allen didn't score in the final of the, of the Champions League. 
he didn't score against Ma uh, around Madrid home and away. He didn't score in the final of the of the cup. They won the trouble because they're a good team. People always want to ah, oh, Pulisic. Who is the next one? They have to build a team in order to win. Michael Jordan without Pippen, and Horace Grant, and, 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 and. So we all know that. Then after when you win, we can talk about individuals, but people always go about the thing the wrong way. Who's the next guy? No, can we build a team that's going to be competitive? I think that's important also. Like when I was in the MLS, I'm going to use Dax McCarty because I'm going to use Dax. I thought Dax was a, and still, more than a decent player in the MLS. He had, a, he, had, he had an amazing career when you look at it in MLS. But he always was like, I wish, I wish, or oh, if I had a European passport, and I was like, why do you bring yourself down? What do you mean, if I had a European passport? Is that why you think that you're not playing? I'm not having a go. Again, I repeat, I think that Dax was brilliant for us for the Red Bulls. Then obviously he's still, he's still doing it with, with Nashville and, and, and whatever. But that, that belief that... Take that risk. Like, no, not even the risk, just like right from the start, you're, you're saying it's because I am. What do you mean? Like if I take my guy, my guy, I can't even say that. But if I take George Weah, he's from Liberia. In the time where in Europe, we only had three foreigners playing in teams. Not four, not five, only three. You have to make sure that you're part of the three playing for the big Milan. Did he say for himself, I'm Liberian, man. It's going to be tough for me. If, if you said that right from the start to yourself, that I cannot, or it's because, then you don't work on yourself because you're thinking that it's different things that will stop your progression. It might be, by the way. I'm not saying, but you, if you already doubt yourself, I mean, who's going to believe in you? I think risk is also being a mentality, right? Like, but there's a will, there's a way, right? So like your situation, I know certain countries you need a visa, work permit, you need to be paid a certain amount of money if you're in the Eredivisie or whatever, but like you figured out a way to go to Europe, right? Maybe you start in Sweden, maybe you start in, in Denmark or something. Mm -hmm. And it's like you said, the mentality to take the risk, right? To put yourself like, look, if I have to start at the bottom or, you know, start in here to get to there, then that's what you have to do. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of, it's tough to, to, to take those chances, to not be around family and what you're used to, to put yourself in those environments. But be believing, look, Kate, believing is cliche, right? People always talk about if you believe, then you can do it. You know, like, but it's so true. If you, if you right from the start believe that you can achieve something, that's the start of everything. Well, we were at dinner the other day and we were talking about the pay-to-play system and, and Clint was kind of breaking that down for me. You're kind of talking about the system that develops youth, right? Do you look at that and think that that's, hey, this is a, that's a problem in this country in America? Big time, massive. I understand how the MLS works. Let me rephrase that. Sometimes I do understand how the MLS <laughs> works. Uh, that's another subject for another day. Uh, but, look, you had the, Jean-Marc Guillou did it in Ivory Coast. Uh, I forgot the name of the guy that did it in Mali. That generation that you saw, the Avoyans, all came out. You know, the Aruna Dendani, the Kader Keita, the Tourez brothers, Zokora. I'm not going to name them all because it's a guy, he went to Ivory Coast and he opened an academy. Jean-Marc Guillou, and he said that the best players can come here, we're going to scout them. Then a generation of 20, 20, I think it lasted for four years. 
all those guys became professional. Suddenly, oh, it's so weird. The best train with the best, with a guy, with a brain, and you can't tell me that some countries don't have the possibility to do that. Yes, you do. It's just the will of wanting to. Those guys ended up winning the African Cup of Nations. Yeah, Toure is one of the best players you've seen in the Premier League. Um, Colo Toure won the stayed unbeaten with us and won the league with after with Man City. Nearly won it with uh, with Liverpool. I mean, we 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 can we can that generation. Boom, stop. He left. Academy stopped. So it's just an example of if you want with the right person, with the right attitude, with the right commitment, with everything, you can. Now, why people don't want to do it, I actually don't know, but it is doable. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, it's business, right? It's why people don't want to do it. Oh, ultimately, if you're looking at this country. Yeah, in a way. Yes, yes it is. But ultimately, people forget one of the most important things. When I went to Clairefontaine, it, I know the, 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 to say that now seems Clef obvious. which is the, uh, the French yeah, academy. Yeah, uh, 13 to 16 years old. So I know it's obvious to call it now and say, oh yeah, obviously. No, not obviously. At the very beginning, it was 16 to 19. Okay, then they went, no, we need to train our kids earlier. So 13 to 16. Okay, technique, understanding space, left foot, right foot. So already when I arrived at 16 years old, I've been training every day. Not three times a week, every day with the ball. Okay? And the aim of Clairefontaine was how many players are going to play in the national team? Not how many we're gonna sell, how many, how many of them are going to play in the national team. So if you if you aim high, you can only fall after that, right? But if you aim at how many of them is going to be professional or whatever? Obviously, understand me well, you have to be good at school and, 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 mm -hmm. and all the things around that. But it was about how many players are going to play for the national team. That's the only business. That's the only, you, what, what, what do you want? You want your national team to do well. You're telling me in the US, if you take kids from 13 to 16, the best, following a good coach with a good brain, at a young age, repeating skills, understanding space, not going in the gym. Who goes in the gym when you're 13? You don't need to go in the gym when you're 13. You, have, you don't have a body yet. Repeating left foot, right foot, understanding space, when to play the ball, when not to play the ball. Repeat for three years. You tell me those guys are gonna be dumb? No, I mean, they're you've put good. your they're son in yeah. a system yeah. whereby, go on, yeah. sorry. No, I, I have my son in the system and now Lucky enough, my oldest son is in a situation where it's not pay to play. He's with the Charlotte FC Academy. You know what I mean? But like, like what he's saying, it's it's going out and putting. You get out the dirt. You get the answers out the dirt. You got to go put in the work. You got to work on both feet. It's you got to be in certain situations, understanding when you shoot on the goal, you're not just shooting as hard as you can. You're placing the ball into the corner. You're using both feet. You're you know you're being able to to look at the goal, the goalie where he's at, and and, and be able to place the ball. Being smart how to have a good first touch gives you more time and space. Like you have to like, if you were able to teach that to the youth, then it starts that you're able to do it at a quicker, quicker pace and think faster. No, but it's funny that you're saying that because I can give you the name of my coach, my coach, sorry, Joachim Francisco Filio. Like I give you the name, you don't even, look, you don't even know, it doesn't ring a bell, right? Because right. nobody knows him. This is but, the academy coach. Yeah, and this is the guy that should be known more than any other coach that I know. And I love Pepe, as you know, whatever. But this, the guy, 
Joachim Francisco Filio, and I, I think I told you some stories, like what, you believe it, oh yeah, you will believe that, but all I had when I was young is I was fast, I swear, that's all I had. And I couldn't, I needed 20 1v1 with the goalkeeper to score. No joke, 20, easy. Sounds like Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Is there somebody that you feel like changed your game in the way that Thierry is saying? Sorry, what was his name? Joaquim Francisco Filho. Uh, Joaquim Francisco uh, Filho. I, I think in my, my scenario, I was a little, a little bit different than most kids because I grew up in New Hampshire, which, one, it's all, all white kids that didn't play soccer for the most part. It was the least popular sport. But my father's from Gambia, and soccer was, football was his sport. So when he came here, he never even put that on me. He said, I'm not, I'm not even going to push you to do that. If you want to do it, then I will, I will take you to the field. And so I, I came home thinking I have a slip to play American football. I was excited because that's all I played. And he lit up and he said, this is what you want to do. I said, yeah. He said, let's go and go to the store. And I thought, OK. And then he brought me to a tryout. Did you pick up the wrong slip? Yeah. <laughs> I, he, brought me, he brought me to the store, he bought me boots shin guards, a ball, and I- Did you and, realize you were getting kitted out for the wrong event? Yeah, and I didn't say anything. Why? Because you don't so want I was to afraid, hurt I was, I was afraid of my father, and, and there is an article that you, you, you talked about. You want the, your father, you want that connection, that right. emotional connection, because a lot of African fathers don't give you that, I love you, kiss you, or anything like that. But I knew I would make him happy if I went through with this. So mm -hmm. I went through with it, and it didn't work out. I, I didn't know what I was doing. But he pulled me aside after. He said, Is, do you want to be good? I said, yeah, I want to be good. And he said, every day after that, pick me up from school. We go to the field until the sun went down. Every day. And in two weeks, that's it. The coach who cut me from that, from that tryout called my father and said, hey, Will Charlie come play for us now? He said, no, thank you. And he took me to the Crosstown Bible. <laughs> and and mm, not, only, not only did he, not only did he tr train me every day, but he pulled videos, VHS tapes, of, of you, wow. of Ronaldo. You were my role models. I didn't have any. My father, he is as good as he was for me to, to put me in this 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 work ethic. I couldn't mode. demonstrate the plays. He, he he could he. It was more of how he acted as a as a as a father. Sometimes you know he he had demons you know with, with drugs and you know being being a good husband to my mom. So I knew that's not who I wanted to be when I was older. But I also appreciated that he was going to give his time to help me try and find a way to, to be the best version I can be to have a successful life. He always said, I want you to be better than I was. I want you to have a better life than me. But I didn't have a, a role model that I could talk to because it was more, this is your work. I'm going to push you. Mm. But I looked up to him. I looked up to Ronaldo and I said, I want to be you. I didn't want to be my dad. I wanted to be you. And so that was what was driving me. I, I, and I loved the work. I, I, I would go. I would do more. My dad would make me run three miles before every practice. We'd do a two-hour practice, and I'm, and I'm eight, nine, ten. Mm. This is, kids are out riding their bike, kids are playing with chalk. I'm on the field, 
And, and a lot of kids in the neighborhood would be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And my answer would be like, because I have to. There's no other way. That this is my only way to success. This is my only ticket. And then I do hills. And I remember when I was about 14, 15, I could start to see it pay off. And at that point, I went to a private boarding school where that was, yeah, education, but I knew this is my goal, this is my ticket to providing for my family, but also realizing the dream. When you say that, providing for my family, mm -hmm. you, obviously you don't mean children at that point, you meant your parents. I was on welfare. Sometimes I didn't know where my next meal was coming from. And sometimes I had to go out and go to the grocery store with food stamps and you know, one of the most humiliating moments as a kid is to go to a grocery store with my younger brother, who's two years younger than me. So I'm acting like I'm his father and his brother at the same time, while my mother was in a, a psychiatric hospital because she had, was dealing with a lot of uh, mental illness and, and, you know, tried to commit suicide a few times. And my father would sometimes go on his, on his, his, his you know, drug bin. And, and so, I'm going to shop for my family. And so I'm going to the grocery store, I'm checking out. I can, you know, you have 60 bucks to buy everything you can. I can't cook, my brother can't cook. So, you know, sometimes it's cereal, it's fruit, it's vegetables, whatever you can eat. And I'm going to the checkout line and then the, the checkout person goes, aisle five, like processing food, food stamps. I don't know what I'm doing. And so now everyone in the store, I felt like looks at you. And then I have to walk you know, two miles from the grocery store to my apartment. And you were conscious at the age of what that meant. It made you feel some kind of way that people knew was, you were I using food stamps. I was as embarrassed stamps. as you can possibly be. I was humiliated. Dang. But all I could do was think about eating. I didn't, I, what, there's no other option. Man, I felt like I knew you, and now you saying all that, I feel like I, I don't know you very, like I don't know a lot of the stuff that you've been through. Did, did football change your relationship with your father? Did it make it better? Yeah, because I wanted, I wanted the love. Did you get I, it I, through football? Yeah. My, my father never missed a game. Mm -hmm. Never missed a game. With all the demons he had, and we, we still have a really good relationship. Mm. So second grade was the first time my mother had a mental breakdown. And she, she was put in the mental hospital. And then third grade, she tried to commit suicide. She took 96 pills at once. And I was tasked with, you know, in the back seat, my dad said, keep her up, because if she falls asleep, she's not gonna make it. So I'm, I'm in third grade trying to keep my mom up, and I knew that the only way I was gonna have at least one parent, like, with me all the time is my dad and having that connection with, with soccer. So I enjoyed, because I felt connected to him, but I also, I saw what it was doing for me. As I played games, I was getting better and get her, getting mm -hmm. better. I wanted to work harder because I felt like I was getting closer. And it wasn't until when I was 14 or 15 that I really saw myself becoming a professional if I continued. Man. Your, your mom's still with us. My mom and my father are still together. They're, they're oh, happy wow. and healthy. They're in San Diego. Um, you, you know, I, I think that foundation of being able to prevail and keep things in. I never told my friends. Mm. I didn't have an, a big extended family what I was going through. I kept everything inside. And it was always to the next day, to get, do what you gotta do to get to the next day, the next day. So when I had issues, 
further down the line in my life, I knew what I could lean on, which was like, get, just getting through it, get to the next day. Don't think about the past because you're never going to make it. I can't move forward if I'm always holding on to the past. Mm. So that's why I was able to overcome some of the things that I did because I knew that's the only way to move forward. Man, you've dealt with a lot in life. Cancer, the car accident, all of that as a young kid, that's, that's real, that's hard stuff. And the only reason I share that and I'm so open is because I've seen other people have similar issues and they're not able to talk about it because it's such a personal thing. But when I have talked about it, people have reached out to me and said that I needed to hear mm -hmm. that. Right. That has helped me. I went through that and I was ashamed. I felt this embarrassment. And now that you share that and, and you've gone to places that you've gone, you can be so open about it. Now I don't feel as guilty or I don't feel as embarrassed. I, or the, now I know there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, because if you hold on to it, for me, I live every day like it could be my last. That's why I could work. I could, I could like, I just know I, I want to do as much as I can every single day because I know it, not every day is guaranteed. Amen. It is a question. So first and foremost, thank you for, for sharing that because that's, that's a lot. And I can see you in a, in a better place, shall I say, because you're talking about it. All right, that's, that's, a, that's the first step, to be able to share that, not only with us, but with everybody. It's, it's, it's amazing, because I struggle with it. I'll, I'll share that, like, I'm trying, I'm trying to, you know, like the stuff that I hear all the time, that's what I wanted to hear when I was young. And I couldn't care less about hearing it by, like, everyone tells me how great I was. I wanted to hear it from my dad. You understand what I mean? So only one guy beats a billion. But I wanted to hear it from my dad. So, like, I'm still trying to find that guy, you know? And I share that so many times, you know, like, that guy is at the bus stop, still waiting for the bus that will never come. How, how am I going to bring that guy with me? And what I know now and how I, I'm at peace in a way, but when I think, as you said, deeper, and I go back to the little man, I'm sad because I will never get it. I will never get that approval from my dad, from my dad because my dad never approved anything. It was never, never good enough. Like, a bit different, you know? Regardless of what it was, it was always there, like yours or whatever. But this is why I'm, I'm asking you because, you know, when you, this is why I'm asking you the question because you said, oh, this, this is who I am. Yes and no. Yes, this is who you are, that you had to become to fit in, right? Because you had to. Like I always say, like if you have only one choice, then you don't have the choice. That's the only thing that you have that you don't have. If you have one choice, you don't have it. So you had to. But now, let's say, you know, you need to go back and speak to the little Charlie. This is what I always say when people meet me, sometimes it's like, oh my God, you know, I met my hero, you know, and I said, first and foremost, I'm no hero, first. And second of all, the best decision that you can ever have is with yourself. That little guy, is he satisfied? Is he happy? Is he with you? Because sometimes along the way of you trying to reach who you can be, who you had to become, 
you leave him, you leave that guy behind because of exactly what you said. You, when you dare, uh, you, you, I won't say you have me now. I don't, in a way, because we we grew up with guilt. Okay, I explain. The first thing you do when you cry, you say I'm sorry, right? Mm -hmm. When yeah. oh I'm sorry, why? Because you, your consent no, is making we, someone no, else we do, uncomfortable, right? We do, we right? do, we do. It's like even you, you're embarrassed. You're like, mm -hmm. oh, I shouldn't be crying. But why? It's an emotion. You shouldn't be crying if you want to cry. So the feeling of going back to that, you know, I always, you know it's, it's not me saying that, but I like that quote, you know, what, what, what you fear will master you. So to avoid that discussion, to avoid that feeling of, of feeling even more so vulnerable. But the proper one, not... This is why I'm like, I'm, I'm amazed that you said it with a, such a... You know, you said it so easily, you know, which is not something easy to say. But also I sense when you say, uh, you know, that's the way I am. That's the way you had to become to succeed. But you can always reflect on, am I with, am, am I with myself? When I talk about myself is the inner child, the little guy. Is he satisfied? And when you go back to that question, oh man, it's tough because I know for me, with all the success that I had, regardless, we'll have, we'll have a story. And man, your story is, is crazy. If I tell you mine, I'm sure the same, get you the same. But at one point when you reflect about what happened to that little guy, because he ultimately, and you went even more, you know, with the car accident, obviously. But what happened to that little guy? Is he, is he with me? The, the, the reason why I can say it was so easy is because that little guy is with me. Because I, I had the opportunity who my dad never, ever, I'd score four goals in a game, you should have scored six. Yeah. You should have scored 10. You, you lost that 1v1. You didn't shoot from outside. You only, shot with, you only shot with your right. Why didn't you shoot with your left? Near post versus far post. What were you thinking in this situation? That was my childhood. Until I got to a point where I got to the youth national team and I started playing well and I got uh, MVP at this tournament in Milk Cup in Northern Ireland. And then I could start to see the how proud he was of me. And, and it changed from you're not good enough to you're better than me, you're better than I ever imagined. I'm so proud of you, but keep going. And so I look at the little Charlie and I, and I think it's, it's pride that I feel considering what I had to come from and fight through. And so I, I'm also, I've also forgiven my father for the way that he, acted and I know in certain situations he said I'm doing what's best for you but sometimes the way he treated my mother the way he treated me and my, my brother that's that's ultimately not what I should be seeing or having to deal with but given the circumstances I know he was trying to his best given the temptations and demons he was dealing with to get me to have a better future so I have I still have a, such a, a, a good relationship with my parents and I think what's, what I'm really fortunate to have is my wife, who I met in college when I was still naive and young. If I didn't have her, I never would have made it because she's the one who came from a good family, who could tell me right from wrong in situations I didn't know, I didn't have that. And so to go through the things I still overcame, I still probably couldn't have done that without her. So she was the one that really kind of helped me continue to stay on the right path. Um, through it all, so. What, what was it you needed an example of? It, it was love that you needed to see how to live that out, or relationship, or what? Real love, 
um, like affection, seeing how like a husband and wife should act yeah. and treat one another. And I, I never had an, a role model or example. And you say, don't call me a hero, but that's what you are to me. And when I told you in 2011, when we played against each other for the first time, this is my first season back. I had, you know, near death experience. I'm fortunate to live, but here we are starting 11, got to shake hands with everyone. And my hero walks across and says, good luck. But it wasn't just like any normal, hey, good luck. You looked at me in my eyes and you said, keep going. Bon courage. And that, that to me, was everything, everything. My hero who I idolized my entire career as a kid, that once I knew what the sport was, you pulled me, you kept pulling me forward. And so that, that's when I told you that meant the world to me. Take a look at a sneak peek of next week's episode of Kicking It, part two of Thierry Henry. For the first time in my life, I felt like I was a human being. Not because I play for Arsenal, you like me. For the first time, they, they saw the little Thierry. That the little Thierry got that love. Like, for the first time, I put my bags down and I went, hey, they see me. And I wish I'd have had someone like, like you, coach, that like, can help me more. I had great coaches, they helped me. But like, a coach that you had, something like that, what could I have really done? Right. I did okay. Like the other day, I was watching a video, because my, my son wanted to see a video of, of, of me, because he never saw me play. And it's kind of weird, because I, I, I enjoyed it. I looked at it, I was like, damn. That was all right. That was kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs>